Welcome foodies, farmers, and sustainable food revolutionaries. This is On Pasture. Podcast brought to you by Niku Farms that's all about bringing farming back to nature, food to table movements, and sustainable farming. I'm your host, Danny. Welcome to another episode of On Pasture. This episode is brought to you by NikuFarms.com, the online farmer's market for locally, ethically, and sustainably raised meat. Delivered direct from the farmer to your door. Support a healthier way of raising meat that's better for local economies, farmers, and your own health. Today, we're speaking with Andy Muto, wellness chef and founder of Create Healthy Food. Andy is changing the way we think about healthy eating by emphasizing the holistic healing qualities of food instead of focusing on fads and diets. In this episode, Andy talks about his journey into food and wellness and some bigger picture ways he wants people to think about the food they eat. Keep in mind that this is part one of two-part episode, Talking to Andy. Part two will focus on his work with athletes. Would you mind giving us a rundown of who you are and what your whole story is? My legal name is Andy Jimmy Muto, which is kind of strange because I'm Italian and I have Canadian names or British names. And that's what happens when you're in a family of four and you're the youngest of an immigrant family and everybody has an Italian name and they just decide to give you a name because they can't be bothered. <laughs> so legally, that's my name. Uh, and um, it's kind of interesting because a lot of people who come into the world of, of cooking and food usually have some sort of background in food. Um, but for some of us, that background comes from uh, home. And, you know, growing up again in an immigrant family back in the 70s, uh, you... Uh, Food wasn't something that you. Uh, food was something that you. It was part of your life. It was part of your routine. It's almost like being on a farm, but in, in a modern country, in a more in a in a country like like Canada. And you know, we used to do the same things. We used to make our own cured meats. We used to make our own olives, our own tomato sauce, and uh, all the other things that my parents did growing up back in Italy. And, and in fact, a lot of families still do that today. Um, but it was good because it wasn't just about the food. It was also about the connection with your family. And that hasn't left me because I still find that whenever I do make food, um, it, there's always a, a, an emotional attachment to it because it's reminiscent of maybe my family or my friend's family or another friend's family or my cousin's family. And uh, cultures around the world have come together uh, because of food. Um, I always use the expression that peace treaties have been signed even over food. Discussions have been had about marriages over food. So food has more than just a, a component of making your body feel good. It also has an emotional and a social and mental component. Andy's journey into food was a natural progression from helping out his mom in the kitchen to finding his first job. Food was his bread and butter. But as some of his loved ones started to experience illness and poor health, Andy delved into food as a form of healing physically, mentally, and emotionally. Uh, my mother didn't teach me how to cook as per se, come and I'll show you how to do it. She actually demanded it because being a working immigrant mother with four boys at home and a husband, uh, she needed all the help that she could get. And she grew up with the mentality that you help. It's not about whether you're a man or you're a woman. This is a family and everybody has to play their part regardless. And, and that's how I got into cooking at a very young age. And then it naturally evolved that, you know, as I was cooking, um, uh, that I would eventually find first work. In food, you know, as, as a little bus boy when I was like 15, 14, 15 to working at what used to be called the Magic Pen and then at another restaurant, Italian restaurant, and then the organ grinder. And then evolving from busboy to cook to waiter to back to cook, back to um, food purchaser, stylist, to food photography and so forth. So it, it kind of evolved, but I was always in food. 
uh, people say, well, how did you get into health and wellness? Uh, it wasn't about, when my mom died at a young age, she was only 57, I, I took an interest in why, why that happened and, and food was at the, at, the, at the seat of it because she had, uh, unfortunately, high cholesterol, it was genetic cholesterol, and she didn't look after it and, and it ended up costing her life. And, you know, again, her food choices weren't the best. But as I now, as I look back, I, I understand now that it wasn't just the food, but it was also the stresses. She had a lot of stress. You know, immigrant family uh, struggling, you know, maybe uh, some family issues that weren't always the, the most convenient and the best, uh, you know, young sons who were going awry. And it was tough. And I think her, her stress was another factor because, you know, your mental and emotional health has a lot to do with who you are as a person. And it affected her. And unfortunately, it happened. And when I saw that, I thought, well, gee, what am I going to do to to make sure that that doesn't happen to me or, or anybody else that I care about? Because losing your mom when you're 21 is, is really hard. And uh, lo and behold, after I got married, my wife uh, took ill uh, with pregnancy. And it was horrible because uh, she couldn't stop vomiting for six months. And uh, then after our son was born and he had a special need, and it was just... Uh, it was overwhelming. And all these things, the question is always why? Not why are you cursed with something, but why Why did this happen? And, and more importantly, going back to the roots of my family, don't ask why, figure out what to do to help. So what can I do to help him? What can I do to support him? And, uh, you know, you don't want to take chances with young young children by giving them supplements that may cause more damage than good. So I look to food food of my ancestors, food of my friends' ancestors, different cultures and things. And, and it's amazing how you can learn so much just by asking questions. And that's what I did. And I read a lot and I asked questions. And um, you don't cure things with food. I know a lot of people make those claims. I think sometimes maybe you, you can. But for the most part, food is meant to support and to nourish. Uh, whatever is there can be supported and nourished. But at the same time, I think that um, the the food itself can become part of a, a healing a healing thing, and, and it's the emotional. It's the sharing meals together. It's the preparing meals. It's the support. All of it together help to create a, a person that is in good health. So people point point a lot to uh, to foods. Uh, you know, food makes you healthy, but it's more than that. It's everything: mental, emotional, spiritual, um, and physical. And I think that's the message that I try to bring to people. You know, don't always focus so much on food. Think about the bigger picture. And so that's so that's my ethos. And, and you know, I try to do that with myself. I don't overanalyze my foods. I'm very selective of the foods that I eat. But I eat everything in balance and moderation. And I think that's a principle that we've lost. And I think that more and more as food becomes more the tool of marketing and sales and money, that it affects our ability to even think clearly about how we choose our foods. We're influenced by everything around us when really we should be looking at ourselves and how we feel about food when we eat it and not overanalyze it to the point where we're even afraid to eat it because then that has a psychological effect. And what's the point of that? We have enough of that going on in the world just dealing with the stresses of life. So eat moderation and balance I think is, is key and that's what I try to bring to the table whenever I speak with people or whenever I deal with my clients. Moderation and balance is at the center of Andy's ethos. But how does that principle really manifest itself? Well, you can take alcohol, for example. Moderation, a glass of wine with dinner is okay, I guess. I mean, I would think. 
Um, having six glasses of wine, it's a little bit unbalanced. Uh, having wine at every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that's a little unbalanced too. Or how about um, hot pepper? I, I'm a big fan of hot pepper. I love hot pepper. I come from the southern part of Italy, and we eat a lot of hot pepper. However, having hot pepper every day has its problems. It's problematic on your prostate for men. It's problematic on your on your stomach. It causes inflammation. So that's what balance and moderation means. And I think what's happened is that we uh, we become extreme and. And that's not necessarily our fault. There'll be a new report on, you know, on blueberries. And people will go, and, uh, you know, blueberries are good for this, 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 and that. And everybody will go all of a sudden to the grocery store and buy blueberries. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, there was a recent thing on celery. So celery, usually $1.99 for, uh, for a head of celery. Uh, and it was great. You know, you use it whenever. But now somebody, a report came out that it was good for uh, losing weight, it was good for mental health, it was good for all these things. And so just because, I don't know if it was an actor, if it was a doctor, or whoever it was that said that, they drove the price of celery to $7.99, almost $10 for a thing ahead of celery. And it's ridiculous. And people were having so much celery that even the, the growers couldn't keep up. So was it necessarily wrong? No, celery is good for all those things. But I can list you another 10 items that are also good for those things. So that too is balance, right? Because you create a frenzy when really there's no need for it. And that's the power of marketing and, and selling. So having a little bit of celery here, it's okay. Having a celery root is also okay. But having a variety of vegetables and having an imbalance and moderation in that sense is helpful. In fact, if you ever consider the body, people have reactions to things. When you overeat on one specific item, your body will start to develop irritations with it. And the body always gives you warnings. You know, it may give you like a little hive, it may give you some indications that it, you're overdoing it. And then when you when you don't listen to it, when you're not uh, aware of it, it'll, it'll cause such a reaction that you have to go to the doctor to find out what you're allergic to. It's incredible how the body works. So by listening to your body, by being balanced, being moderate in your choices, you can, you can eat sensibly and enjoy a decent, a decent health. From governmental organizations to marketing campaigns, consumers are barraged with so much messaging from so many different groups who are trying to influence what we eat. As a natural process, eating has become such a carefully curated practice in this day and age. Andy believes it's important to be attuned to ourselves and our bodies when it comes to food not to marketing messages. Well, I know for a fact that, uh, you know, now you, you have all these reports coming out, whether it's from the World Health Organization or Health Organization, or whether it's from the Canadian government about how your plate's supposed to look. Really, that we didn't really, we kind of needed that information to help us, but not necessarily, because when people were growing, when we were, like, when families were struggling through various circumstances in, in their history, um, whether it was post-Second World War or during the Second World War or the First World War, there were times of scarcity. Food was not available, and meat especially was not available. I remember stories my father and mother would tell me, because they were born in the 20s, uh, about how um, during the time of war, you had to give a portion of your slaughtered animal to the army. You had to do that. And if you didn't, they would come and take away your farm. So they had to share whatever they had. And so they often went without meat. And they had to make do with what they had. And yet they still had to have the energy and strength to cultivate the lands that they were responsible for. So I think the, the, the reality is, is that we can 
have our plate looking like the government says, but if we use logic and we look at our, our ancestry or our history, we can also appreciate that we need to have more vegetables on our plate. It's logical. We need to have more more um, more greens on our plate, and the protein component should be a, a decent size. But the concept of having like a 14 ounce steak is is really not valuable. Uh, before, maybe perhaps it was mentalities that were prevalent because of growth or society's growth. Or logically speaking, if you have a huge steak, how do you feel? I'm not suggesting the steak is bad. Because you could have a, like an entire fish, you could have an entire chicken, you can have an entire anything, even a huge plate of, of salad. But you, all those things in, in that amount can never do the body good. So when you, when you apply and you, and you look at how you eat food, it has to be, you have to use good judgment. You, and it's hard today because our judgment is affected by so many, so many different outlets that you know, it's it's funny. Funny. There's an analogy that I use. You know, when when you look at someone of who you're interested in, you let them know by your eye contact or by your body language that you have an interest in them. But what if somebody said to you, "Oh, how, I, what if you ask? Well, I don't know. How do I let that person know that I'm interested in them?" And somebody had to explain to you, "Well, you got to kind of wink your eye. And you got to move this. And you got to touch their arm at the." All that information, when you're armed with it and you try to go to that person, you probably would fumble because it's not natural anymore. It's, it's now it's you have to perceive it and try to make it work. But something that's so natural as showing an attraction to another person just comes from inside. So being attuned to who you are as a person emotionally helps you to accomplish that. Being attuned to who you are as a human being with your food, it should also come naturally. No one should be telling you things that you should know naturally. But we've kind of allowed outer people, outer sources to tell us how much and what kind and when we should be eating when we should know that ourselves. Eating healthy doesn't mean crazy diets or cutting out specific foods. There's no one size fits all when it comes to embarking on a journey of healthy eating. But there are some key points. For Andy, it's about eating what makes you feel good and eating local. I often hear people say, I have a problem with pasta or with, with wheat. Every time I eat pasta, I have I have a problem. Okay, but if you're only eating pasta, I understand that. But if you've eaten a whole conglomerate, uh, an abundance of food, a whole cacophony of food, how um, how do you know that it was the pasta? How do you know it wasn't the oil that was on the pasta? How do you know it wasn't the meat? How do you know it wasn't the salad? How do you know it wasn't the vinegar? How do you know what it is? How do you know it wasn't the GMO process that was involved in making the pasta or anything else? You don't, but they always pinpoint one thing because somebody says, I'm allergic to this. I have, a, I have a problem with gluten, or I have a problem with dairy, or I have a problem with egg, or I have a problem with this. And you can get tests done that will actually verify that those are indeed issues that you have. But some people who have no issues at all will all of a sudden develop an issue because someone's told them that they have an issue. It's almost like being psychosomatic. So the first thing we have to do, I, I, would, I would suggest to a person is just... Eat the things that are, are going to make your body feel good. Like, you know, vegetables. Uh, eat things that are local to our area as much as we can. We get to a point, you know, where, where it's a kind of a broad, you know, answer. But we eat everything all the time, everywhere, you know, whenever we can. But, you know, now in Ontario, we've got some apples growing and we have pears and we have a lot of the root vegetables that are going to become. And it's great. And we should be... Like, look into those things in the farmer's markets and so forth, just where we can get 
um, those things that are grown locally, maybe not necessarily organic, but at least they're local. They don't travel. Even the meats that that you guys, the farmers that you uh, you gentlemen approach with, I mean, I think it's fantastic to know that you can have a good quality piece of meat from a local farm that when you eat it makes you feel good. I had one of your steaks on the barbecue that I made for my family, and you know what I had? It was a grass-fed steak. There was no fat. There was, my barbecue was clean. There was no drippings. It was incredible. And yet, the meat tasted fantastic. You know, it didn't need to be on there for seven hours. It didn't have to be charred. To, but it was just, and it was perfect. Absolutely perfect. And so there's advantages to that. So when we're making choices, look to your local producers. You know, grocery stores will say Ontario. So that would be the first step that I would suggest. It's so much better when you eat local things. Don't have strawberries in the winter because there are none. They come from somewhere else in their cardboard. Don't have something else that has to, and that's always the argument, do you have something that's organic that has to come travel all this distance or something that has had some pesticide put on it or some kind of medical treatment but is close by? What's the difference between the two? Which, which of, the, of the two evils do you choose? I'd rather eat something that's locally grown, personally. To find out more about Andy's brand and mission, check out his website, www.createhealthyfood.com. That's all for part one of two parts episode of On Pasture with Andy Muto. We want to thank Andy for taking the time to speak with us and share his insights on how he approaches food. Stay tuned for our part two episode with Andy on his methodology with feeding high performance athletes. We'll see you in part two.